0: Oh, the Lord is good. It's been such a blessed Sabbath day for so many reasons. Tonight, we want to close this beautiful Sabbath talking about something that is very important to us as parents and important to everyone here, whether you're a parent or a child, a grandparent, God's Word is the parent's guide. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? You know, there's an interesting thing that there were many years in my life that I would have said amen to that because how could you say anything else but that? But it was not my guide. It was not guiding me through the difficulties of our early parenting You know, we say we are a people of the Word. I hope that we are. Because we need the Word of God to guide us in the things that we, we need to do as parents. And that's what we want to talk about tonight. So where do you go? Where do you go for your wisdom? Do you really go to the Word of God to find the answers to the perplexities that you face? Or in reality, do you do what we used to do? And that is that we go to the authors that have supposedly gone to the Word of God and we try to glean from what these authors have learned on modern parenting principles. Remember that, dear? Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> or do we go by our traditions? We did a lot of that, too. Well, that's how it was in my home. That's what my dad did. That's what my mother did. This parenting by tradition. Where do we go for the answers for the things that we face in daily life?
1: Are we going to the popular counselors and leaders of our day in our churches? Do they have the answers for us? What do you think? Some may. I was at a women's retreat listening to a very popular Christian leader, and she was sharing with all the women there, all of us mothers in the audience, the challenges she faced in parenting, and we're all right there with her. We understand challenges, don't we, as parents? Things just don't run smooth when they come out of the womb. We find out very quickly that there's two individuals that need to be dealt with, our child and ourselves. And as she began to share some of the challenges that she faced with lying and stealing and, and uh, depression in her young people as they grew up into their teen years, she was expressing to the people that they had all these rules in their home and these standards in their home, but their children and their youth kept hitting against them and hitting against them and hitting against them until they were so frustrated as parents they finally decided that what they would do was go to a new parenting method. They decided they would give their children three basic rules. As long as you don't smoke, as long as you don't drink, and as long as you don't commit fornication, the rest is up to you and the Lord. And I tell you, as I sat there and I heard those words, for those mothers in the audience whose hearts were aching, for encouragement on how to face the challenges we have as parents, as mothers, I felt how empty. We've just discarded the word of God, and we've given a a superficial, even kind of a somewhat of a worldly uh, freedom. And those poor mothers left with nothing solid that they could go back to. So we need to be careful where we're getting our wisdom and our encouragement. You know, some people say, and I can remember hearing this more than once, oh, did you know my child does this? And, of course, it's something you don't want your child to do. And then another mother who also has a child of a similar age says, well, my child does the same thing. And then they console one another. This, This just must be normal childhood behavior. It is a child who is not in the Lord Jesus Christ. But God has given us something so much more. And that is through his power, we can raise our children from infancy to adulthood. Not to be normal children by societal standards, but to be children and youth who have principles, who have a relationship with Jesus Christ and who put him first in life so that they can have so much more. And they can truly experience joy and peace that passes all understanding.
0: You know, one of the things that we began to recognize and over the years we've listened to people share and we've observed that many times the problem that's happening in parenting is that life is so busy and everybody can relate to that, okay? Life is so busy that we really don't have time to be parenting from the word of God. That really what's ended up happening is that, and this is not how it is for us today, but it's how it used to be, especially in the early years of our parenting. Life was so pushed and there was so much going on that all we did is try to maintain and put fires out as they happened. Okay? That when a crisis arose in the family, we, we deal with it. We had to deal with it because the children got loud enough, they got whatever, enough that we had to deal with it because it was right there, face to face with us, this is not what God is calling us to do. Today, our children, for many years, our children have been so important to us that they have had the first place under God in our marriage. And not that we haven't made many mistakes, and not that we haven't had the Struggle with our own busyness and the push of life, but we recognize that we couldn't just let our children grow up like weeds in a garden. How much work do you put into growing your weeds in your garden? Anybody here have a really tough time with it? (laughs) They just happen, don't they? The weeds just come up, and you have to work and pray and cultivate those other things to come up Mm -hmm. that you want to come up. Right? We don't want our children to just happen. And all of a sudden, like many people that I talk to today, they've grown up. And they're not ready. They're not prepared. I wish I would have taken more time for them. I wish I would have, I I would have put more energy into them. So if you find yourself today just letting your children grow up, just meeting the challenges when they happen, and then the rest is just maintenance. Please don't spend another week living that way. Amen. You can make a commitment to God that that is going to change and God will give you the grace to change it.
1: So tonight we want to challenge you as we ourselves have been challenged and we want to encourage you as we have been encouraged that there's only one source that we can count on for wisdom and direction in life and that's the word of God. It truly is the parent's guide. It has The answers to every problem we face. Do you believe that? Amen. It has the answers to every problem we face.
0: See what that says on the front of that? (laughs) My my wife's Bible case. Tell them what it says.
1: It says the power of a praying wife.
0: A lot of power in a praying wife. (laughs) Especially if that praying wife goes inside the cover of this book.
1: That's right. (laughs) Two verses that we'd like to share with you kind of to begin this evening. Isaiah 40, chapter 40 and verse 8, it says, The word of God standeth forever. That means the word of God is never outdated. Everything that's written, whether it's in the book of Genesis or the book of Revelation, and every page in between is current for our needs today as parents. Every word that's there is there to guide us, to encourage us, to direct us, to Help us to understand how we can raise our children for the kingdom of God. And then the words of Christ himself in Matthew 24, verse 35, he says, heaven and earth will pass away. Those things are temporary, but my word shall not pass away. My words will never pass away. They are eternal just as he is eternal.
0: So do you really believe that? Do you really believe that? Because it's not really what's happening today in Christianity. And I don't know how it is in the church where you're attending, but I'll tell you there are many people today that are facing a crisis in Christianity. Within their churches, within their families, they're facing a crisis. Because while we can say with our lip service, just like Israel of old, okay, while we can say that with our lips, the heart is far from me, the Lord says. Because we're turning away from the principles. And there is a modern philosophy that is happening in evangelical Christianity, if you will. Modern philosophy that says, we don't really need this. What we need is a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's scary, brothers and sisters. Now, we need a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. But if you've traveled around, and you don't have to travel around, many people, I mean, we travel all over the world, and we see this happening. It's part of the preparation for the times that we're going to be facing, I believe. In not too distant future, we need a relationship with Jesus Christ. We've spent most of this camp talking about how we can make that practical, brothers and sisters, young people. Anybody tries to tell you that we don't need the Word of God, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what's happening, and I've seen this happening in lots of places where we travel. What happens is a relationship with Jesus Christ begins to start uh, setting aside. You see, if I can just just have a personal relationship with Jesus and I can be on a one-on-one basis with him and I can just get my directions directly from him, he can tell me everything I need to do. I don't need the word. I mean, I'm getting a direct connection, right? I've had people sit in my living room that have told me when I've said to them, I'm concerned about what you're saying right now. Can, can we take out the word of God together? And he said to me, we don't need to take out the word of God. I have a higher connection with God and I have him speaking directly to me. And if we take out the word of God it's just going to be your interpretation. We don't need to take out the word of God. Brothers and sisters, God's word interprets itself. Amen. Line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. It is a dangerous thing to think that we can set aside the word of God. When we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, he will never lead us contrary to to his written word. This is the word that was made flesh and dwelt among us. The words on these pages were inspired by the Lord Jesus Christ who came to this earth to live them out in human flesh. Don't ever let anybody tell you that we can set aside the word of God. Now you see, most people... When you hear me say this, most people would say, I'd never do that. We don't do that in my church. Well, then you go back and you find out whether you are living by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You listen to your pastor. You listen to what's taking place and find out if if your church is living by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Praise God and encourage that direction. But if there are subtle changes that are coming in and they're moving away from the word of God, don't give up on them. But don't compromise, brothers and sisters. Daniel is an example of a man who was true as steel to principle. He would not compromise the word of God, but oh, how he lived it in an excellent spirit. Let the word of God be a living experience in Jesus Christ. You won't have to compromise, and you won't have to have a bad attitude either. You can have Christ, and you can have the truth, and you can stand for the truth in an excellent spirit in the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to speak to the men for just a moment here. And it isn't just for the men, but... Oh, the world is hurting for men who will stand with Jesus Christ for our families, for God. And you know, one of the things that that I like about Joshua, when he took over the command, if you will, of the children of Israel, when Moses went to his resting place, Joshua made something very clear before all the people of Israel. He said, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Men, is that the message that's coming through to your family? I hope so. Because when Joshua spoke to the children of Israel, he spoke with a confidence A confidence not in himself, a confidence in God. He knew what God was asking him to do. And he was obedient to the will of God. And therefore, he had confidence that he could go forward with everything God was asking him to do. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, it began to make a huge difference in our home when I was willing to take on that kind of an attitude Amen. in my home. And there was no question, in my wife's mind, for a long time in our in our early marriage, my poor wife tried to get me to lead out as a priest of the home. She begged me sometimes. She didn't do it all right sometimes, though, did you do? Most of the
1: time I didn't do it right at all.
0: But you know... She was giving me a heart cry. And when I didn't respond the first way she tried to get me to do it, (laughs) she got on her knees and she began to plead with the Lord. And she stopped pleading with me. And then the Lord got through to me. And when I made it clear to my family, to my wife, to my children, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It set a very different atmosphere in the home. And I hope that you will take that into your hearts, men, and wives here who stand by the sides of your husbands as helpmates. I hope that you will take on, as for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. Let the standard be raised for the word of God. Let your children know that when you face difficult circumstances that the word of God is the final authority. Amen. Oh boy, we used to argue, didn't we dear? (laughs) I knew I was right. She could be pretty strong too. But when we made the commitment that we were going to stop arguing and stop consulting our own ways and if we couldn't agree... We made a decision that if we couldn't agree after giving my side and her side that when we couldn't come to an agreement that we would, instead of getting into a fight, we would take time to go to the Word of God and on our knees find out God's answer. And I remember the very first time we did that, we were both wrong. Isn't God good? I was sure I was going to be right. I was so confident. I was smirking (laughs) when I left our, we didn't get in an argument, but I just, I was as smug as could be. I'm going to be right on this one, and I'm going to get the word of God to stand behind me. I was as wrong as could be, and oh, what a good experience it was to be wrong and let God be right. And for my wife to be wrong. (laughs) And let God be right. (laughs) Got a little hint of self in there, right? But you know, that started us on a new way of working together. The answers are here in the word of God. If we will take time to find them.
1: When we make that bold statement as leaders of our home, And whether we're a united couple or whether we're a single parent, a mother or a father who has to go it alone to raise these children, or a parent whose spouse is not with them spiritually, when we connect ourselves with Christ and we say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve God and mean it from the depth of our heart, God will bless that commitment. Amen. He will bless it. And we have found that we not only go to the Word of God when we can't agree, we started deciding because we recognize maybe we're doing other things in parenting that are not principled out of the Word of God. So we started going there looking for the principles in the Word of God to be our guide. And the Word, we're told, is a written word, and it was also a spoken word. And you know, we sometimes overlook the most basic place to find the very foundation of the principles to a godly family.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I want to take us back to the book of Exodus, chapter 20. Do you know that every challenge we face as parents, the root of that challenge and the answer is found in one of those basic ten precepts. Amen. I have been amazed, thrilled at times, surprised myself, that some of the challenges we have faced as parents in our home, some of the answers we have looked for, we could take it right back to the very foundation. When Jesus or when God himself spoke it and with his own finger wrote it, The rest of the word is simply an explanation of his law. It's a demonstration of human beings like you and I who lived in a time that they either chose to allow that law to govern their heart and home or they chose not to. And we can go through the entire scripture and we can see from cover to cover of the scripture people who chose to to go against the word of God. It was not the standard in their home or in their life and the destiny that they faced. And we can go and find those faithful men and women and youth, children who accepted that in their lives as the authority, the ruling power in their life, those commands of God. And we see as they allowed the Spirit of God to change their heart, their lives, the joy they experienced, the fulfillment that they had, the victories that were won in the ultimate promise of eternal salvation. And so tonight we want to take you just to a few of these very well-known but sometimes overlooked parenting principles. God's word is our guide it's the parent standard the first one we want to look at is Exodus 20 in verse 3 thou shalt have no other gods before me you know I can remember as a child and even as a young mother reading that and thinking okay we're talking about the golden calf and you know all these idols of old because that's the context in which we read that passage but when we understand what God is really saying to us, there shall be no other gods before us. That means there is nothing in life that should ever replace Christ being first and foremost in the life. Amen. As parents, there is nothing that we can allow our young people to get involved in that will supersede the rightful place of Christ being first in their life. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And so when we find the challenges, maybe it's in music with your young people. And you can tell that that music is taking the place of Christ. And taking the heart and hardening it against the very character of God. Then that becomes an idol that needs to be removed. If it's association... That is an idol that needs to be removed. If it's fashions or sports,
0: can I say something?
1: Go ahead, dear. Sorry,
0: <laughs> don't lose your thought there. I
1: won't.
0: How do we know? How do we know if this is becoming a god? I'll tell you. Jesus said, "By their fruit you shall know them." We have faced many things in our family, and we can tell when it's becoming a god, when it's replacing. Because what happens is there is a resistance. I don't want to talk about it. Now, they won't say that. Okay? I don't want to talk about it. They'll give you short answers. It's fine. Things okay. How's it going with your music? Fine. Well, let's talk about it. Well, there's nothing to talk about. It's fine. When you get those kind of responses, when you get a situation, you know that they don't want to be touched. Self is clinging. If you get a a response in dress, and they don't want to talk about it. Well, my, my friends all wear that kind of stuff. I don't want to be specific here. My friends do it. Everybody else does it. You know that you're losing your place, and God is losing His place in those young people's hearts. And if you don't take time then we faced these things but we faced them early because we were looking and we were praying because we said as for me and my house we will serve the lord Amen. and when these things started showing themselves instead of pushing them under the carpet instead of saying ah oh, let them alone it's okay you know
1: Everybody other, else yeah, everybody's
0: know. doing that i mean let's not be extreme here no we said lord what would you have us to do And we dealt with these things in their infancy. And God, I praise God, that as a result, we have not had to deal with rebellion in our young people. Not a day of rebellion. We've had to deal with hard hearts, but days, it's never never been passed one day in our home. And I'm thankful to God that I can say that. We've dealt with hard hearts. I've dealt with my hard heart, Elaine's hard heart but we deal with it. It's our first work in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if it is not your first work under God, then you will see the fruit of it in the wrong direction. Is it a big commitment? Yes. Count the cost. Is it worth it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Don't wait Until they're in a strangled grip. Don't wait until, as Proverbs says, they're bound with the cords of their sin. Don't wait, friends. When you see the symptoms of these things happening, don't grab them by the
1: throat. Take them for a walk.
0: And open your heart to them. And let them open their heart to you.
1: Thou shalt have no other gods before me. You know, when we keep that as the focus. It helps us to have wisdom in making decisions on what is safe for our young people to do. I remember Josiah coming to us. He loves to mountain bike and he likes to try out new technical skills that he's read about and the challenge that is for him. And he told us about a race that was happening in our area. Actually, I think it happens every year. And it's a group of uh, people who come to our area in Montana to mountain bike in a race that is a very technical course. Josiah wanted to go on this race. He didn't want to go to be competitive. He just wanted to go to challenge his skills.
0: He said to me, Father, how am I ever going to really know how well I can do if I don't get out there and just really give it all that I have? Now, is that a pretty good question? But it's not the right question. <laughs> it's not the right question because it's going to feed the pride of heart. And I said to him, Josiah, and don't think that you've always got to have all the answers. But I had an answer for this. I had an answer from my own experience. I said, Josiah, there is no stopping point. There is no place where the competitive nature can ever be stopped. You know that a six time Tour de France winner, okay? He lost his wife through it. Five times. He's going for the sixth. Some people think it's great. They think, he, you know, they, they look to Lance Armstrong and they think it's great. But his wife said, it's either me or the race. He didn't have to hesitate, it's the race. There's no stopping point. And I knew that for my son. I said, no, it won't stop there, son. This is, thou shalt have no other gods before me. One of the greatest gods that we face is the God of selfish pride. And every one of us faces it. And we don't want to develop that, do we, son? So you just have to be stuck with your father trying to keep up with you. (laughs)
1: And that's really important, we found, is that we we give them something better, and that's ourselves, to be <laughs> their companions. But when we look at the the challenges we face as parents, we can find the underlying principle there in the Ten Laws of God because those are laws of love and liberty. Amen. The next one we want to discuss is found in Exodus twenty twelve. Now, we're not going to go through every one of these this evening because we wouldn't have time. But we want to encourage you that there we find in the Word of God and even in the concise law of God, the foundations to parenting principles, we find there truly that God's Word will be our guide. He says to us and to our young people, Honor thy father and thy mother. Not just dad, because he agrees with how I think, not just mother, because I can be really sweet to her and she kind of gives in and goes along with me. It says, honor my, your father and your mother for the reason that we, they can have long life. That's the only command with promise. Mm-hmm. A life that's fulfilled here and eternity in this one commandment.
0: What do you think about that? Honor thy father and thy mother. Think it's still applicable today? You'd be amazed at how many people come to me again with the wrong question. Here's the question I have lots of people ask me. So, <clears throat> at what age, at what age do my children oh sorry. <laughs> at what age do my children not have to obey me anymore? Is it 18? This is what I and people ask me this question. Or is it twenty-one? Is it twenty-five? Many people wrestle. I have I couldn't tell you how many people have said, my son told me that when he's eighteen, he's out of here. That's tragic. Well, I'll I'll obey you till I'm eighteen and then I'm an adult. I want to tell you that one of the greatest lies the devil has put on parents today in the United States of America is that when you're 18, you're an adult. And you get all these rights when you're 18. And I tell you, brothers and sisters, we should not even blink our eyes at 18. That doesn't mean we don't need to recognize it. Don't, I'm not trying to be radical here, okay? But I remember walking with my daughter on her 18th birthday. And I said, so how's it feel to be 18? She said, Father, it's the worst birthday I've ever had. (laughs) Now if you know my daughter Allison, for her to even say anything that negative would be a shock. (laughs) And I looked at her, and I said, Allison, why would you say something like that? She says, because the world puts such expectations on the age 18. Like something just automatically happens when you're 18. And you should just be a different person. You're an adult. The men will start chasing you now. She said, I just like my life the way it is. I don't want my life to change because I just turned 18.
1: Amen.
0: I said, praise the Lord. I agree. (laughs) But if you find yourself in that position, you know, don't ask the question. How long do my children have to obey? It's the wrong question. Mm-hmm. You need to start working with the heart of that young person. Because I can tell you, we've had so many beautiful experiences. We had a family visiting us. And when they visited our home, they had some teenagers, and one of them was in that mentality. He said, I don't want anything to do with this, and when I turn 18, I am leaving. And you can't do anything about it. Well, I'm thankful to say to you that that young man, that's the last thought in his mind today Amen. at 19 years old. He loves his parents, and he loves the Lord with his whole heart. Just beautiful. Mm. He communicates with me from time to time, and it's beautiful to see this. God can change that attitude. Amen. Do you know where it started? With his parents. <laughs> it started with his parents. I also got a letter from his father who said to me after his visit in our home, you have no idea how close I was to the abyss, and I was ready to jump off and leave my family in the darkness. He's a new man in Christ Jesus. I mean a new man in Christ Jesus. His children love him, honor him, respect him. There's no talk about, I'm out of here at 18. It's the wrong focus, brothers and sisters. Don't let the world, don't let your young person draw you into the arena that's the wrong arena to be in. That's not what we need to be dealing with. We need to be dealing with the cause. Remember the other night I said, there's a cause and effect in every transaction. What makes that young person say that? Are we unreasonable? Can they not reason with us? Can they not express themselves to us? Do they not sense love from us? Do we have no time for them? Do we only give them our rules, but we give them nothing to encourage them? What is the cause? Deal with the cause, and the arguments of the 18-year-old will go away. But many people are too busy, too pushed, to self focused to deal with the causes. If we want our young people to honor their father and their mother, we need to help them and guide them in that process so that they learn how to honor us.
1: Since we have used this in our home and to establish, that is the foundation of true obedience, is for our young people to learn how to honor their father and mother It's had an incredible reflection in my own life toward my mother. Amen. And so my mother is 76 years old, and I honor her more now than I ever have. Amen. And I have a respect for her more than I've ever understood how to respect her before. Not because she's old, but because I see that God has wisdom in this commandment. And when I honor my mother... Our relationship is a very beautiful relationship. Mm -hmm. And I bring her joy. And I experience that joy and that peace in honoring her. And as we look back through scripture, there's Abraham and Isaac. Now, Isaac was a young man when Abraham, his old father, took him up to that mountain. But he honored his father. Abraham had taught him in the little things of life to honor him. And when the big test came, Isaac was there faithful to honor his father. That's a very well-known story, but all through Scripture we find other stories that that encourage us as parents, as single parents, alone trying to do this work and helping our young people learn how to honor them. I think of the story... About Elisha, found in 2 Kings chapter 4. And it's a, it's a story about a widow that had two sons. And you remember the story there was a famine in the land, and uh, many people were very poor. And this widow lady was very poor and in debt. And in those days, when you had a debt, you sold whatever you owned to pay that debt, she had nothing. So she, in her desperation, she met the prophet and she explained her circumstances. And he says, what do you have? And the only thing she had other than her children, her two sons, was a little bit of oil. And he said, told her to go get vessels and bring them into her house. So you know the story now, right? What did that mother do? She called her two sons and she said, boys, I'd like you to go to the neighbors, and I want you to collect all the vessels that you can get, the biggest ones you can find, as many as you can collect. I want you to bring them home to me. Now, how did those boys respond? We know they just went and did it.
0: They honored her. They
1: honored her. And it tells about them bringing in all these vessels for their mother. They didn't argue, Mother, what are you doing? I mean, what do you need all these empty vessels for? And if, let's, let's assume, maybe she told them, well, I'm going to pour the oil into these vessels, they could have said, Mother, are you crazy or what?
0: You got enough there for the vessel it's in. I mean, let's be real. Isn't that what young people, a lot of young people would say today? I mean, what, this is crazy.
1: And so, they honored her, they brought the vessels, and they did exactly what she asked them to do. And that oil filled many vessels And then she said, Go sell those, go sell that oil. And they cleared their debt. That is a powerful story that we can use to help our young people understand the importance of honoring us, even though they cannot understand our reason. Mm -hmm. Honoring means that they must trust us. And if we want them to honor the Lord, they need to learn to honor us because if they honor us, they will trust us to honor us. And they must learn trust in order to give themselves fully to God. They must trust Him explicitly with their lives. And they will honor God with their lives.
0: We want to see our young people. And I think I can say this for those of us that are here. Because you're here because you're desiring to walk in the ways of the Lord. Or you wouldn't be here. We want to see our young people have that kind of response, and that kind of willingness, don't we?
1: Amen.
0: I remember a situation, we were at another family camp meeting, and our young people came to us and said, there's going to be a group of youth taking a hike, and we wanted to see if we could go along with them. Well, who's going to be going? Is that a fair question? Who's going to be leading out? You know, is there any direction? Is there purpose to this? Now, it's very interesting. When I start to even ask these kind of questions in a setting like this, that makes some people uncomfortable. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. You probably wouldn't want to do that, of how many people that makes uncomfortable. But you know, some parents are so used to giving their children whatever they want to do or are so used to just saying no to everything and there's no joy in life, that to find something in between that's a, you know, come, let us reason together. And so we talked together. And when they finished asking us, now I want to point out one thing here that I don't want anybody to miss. They came and asked us. Amen. I don't want to over, you know, just go over that point because you might miss it. A lot of young people don't even ask their parents. They just go. And then three hours later, you wonder where they've been. Okay? So they asked us because they respect us. And they wanted to know our answer. And so we talked together. And then we took a few moments and we made a decision together. And we made a commitment as husband and wife, as father and mother, that if either of us has a red flag about something, we will not go forward. Even if we can't explain it. And I want to tell you it's a safeguard that has been a great blessing in our home. And it has never failed us one time. And we decided that they should not go on the hike. Now I have to tell you that sometimes it even makes us feel bad when we have to say no, okay? But we didn't feel we could agree to that with all the circumstances that we had pieced together in our decision. But I want to tell you that what I, what I really liked about that decision was the response of our young people. Not one of them argued or debated with us about that decision. Do you know why? Because they trusted us in that decision. Because they have learned and are continuing to learn that we will give them every opportunity for enjoyable recreation, every opportunity for proper association that we can give them, we will not needlessly deprive them. So they trust us. You know what was beautiful about that is that God honored that decision. Those who honor me, I will honor. And we saw the fruit of that hike, and we're glad we didn't send our young people on that hike. But we saw in a very short time, there was a few other young people who didn't end up going on the hike And our young people got together with them, and they had a little time of playing their musical instruments and put together a little concert. Isn't that nice? It was great. It was a good alternative that the Lord provided for them. Now, what if the Lord hadn't provided anything? Is it ever? You know, we talk about the replacement principle. But, you know, sometimes in some circumstances, you can't always replace it. Is it appropriate for our young people just to accept the decision and not replace it with anything? Yes. Yes. That's real life sometimes, isn't it? But God, in that situation, allowed for something very nice to come in and to replace it.
1: So when we set the law of God as a standard and we look to his word as our guide to help us parent our young people, some of the challenges we face is uh, really more to deal with us than with them, like in this situation. The pressure is... Great or greater on us as parents to say no. Because we risk being misunderstood. We risk getting criticized. We risk many things. But we cannot parent by pressure. We cannot parent by popularity. We must parent by the word of God. Mm -hmm. And we must know that God is leading us. And the reasons why we make the decisions we do... And explain them to our young people. And then we must be true to God in that. And when we are true to God in parenting our children, it is a motivation. It's the best example they will have for them to be true to God when they face challenges. So the Word of God has the outline principles for us as parents, but you know it also has the answer to every question we have, every dilemma, every challenge that we face. Have you ever faced challenges and you don't know what to do and you don't know who to talk to about it? And you know you can go to the Word of God and there, if you're willing, you can search it out and find the answer to even the most modern questions question that you can face in parenting
0: do you believe that there is a solution to every problem in the word of god now it's true that you may not find in there you know whether you should buy a red ford or a green chevy in the word of god (laughs) but you will find principles that will govern you in your choices for spending You can find those if you will look for them. And the word of God says to us in Psalm 119, 105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And sometimes we have to go very basic. And I want to share an example with you. Again, it comes from the law of God. If you can't find an answer, I would encourage you to go to the law of God, those ten basic principles, and you'll find In every situation, there's there's a root that can be found in that law. Exodus 20, verse 3 says, verse 13, excuse me, Thou shalt not kill. What does that have to do with anything? We have any killers here? No. But I'll tell you, that there are a lot of people that come to us with this basic question. My children argue and fight and bicker all the time. What do I do? Ever heard that before? What does thou shalt not kill have to do with bickering and fighting and arguing? Well, it's very interesting. You see, if you don't go to the Word of God, there are homes where it's considered normal to fight. I actually know of homes where it's normal to knock each other down, wrestle on the floor, and punch each other. Okay? That's, that's just normal. Homes that it's normal to yell at each other, to communicate. I just had someone talking to me the other day. He said, you know, we, we, we yell at the top of our lungs. And then, we're just fine. Just the way we communicate. You have different levels. So, what is your standard going to be? You see, this bickering, this spirit of agitation between siblings is what happened with Cain and Abel. Mm -hmm. And Cain got angry with his brother. And Abel wouldn't fight back. And Cain's anger grew as his conviction grew. And you know the story. He became the first murderer. In a sinless, well, nearly sinless environment. There, right at the beginning of it all. You see, Jesus said in Matthew five twenty one and 22, You have heard it said, Thou shalt not kill, or you'll be in fear of judgment. And I'm just, I'm not reading this, I'm just sharing this. And then he goes on and says, But I tell you, or I say unto you, that if you are angry with your brother without a cause, you are in fear of the judgment. What I'm trying to say to you tonight is, we need to take the basic principles of God's word and bring them out to their natural spiritual conclusions. Bickering and fighting and arguing in the home has no place in a Christian home. And it will not lead to eternal decisions. It leads to destructive decisions in the home. So we can take our child as far back in the word as we want to, right to the law of God, and show them that it's the spirit that we have that God is dealing with. It's not just the outward act of killing. And I looked up those two words, by the way. The kill that Jesus used there and the kill that's used in the Ten Commandments. The death that's used. You know, we're told that death and life are in the power of the tongue. That's Proverbs, the 18th chapter, the 21st verse. And if you look up the death that this is talking about, the death the tongue gives, and you look up the death of Abraham died, and it's the same word. It's the same word in the Hebrew. So this killing that we do with our tongues is viewed in God's eyes just the same way as killing the other way is. Our children need to understand this. When we tell them why they can't bicker and fight, we need to be able to come to them with the word of God, with a principle that makes sense to them, and we can thread it all the way back to the Ten Commandments and bring it all the way forward to the New Testament. And they need to be able to see that it's reasonable that this bickering and arguing and fighting has nothing to do with the kingdom of God but it has to do with death and dying. There is no perplexity that you face that cannot be answered in the word of God.
1: So have you ever been discouraged? Well, I have. have. (laughs) More More than a couple of times. More than a few times. And you know, I have found that when we have done all that we know to do, And we we can't get that clear direction. We don't know what else to say. God has an answer for even that perplexity. When we have done all we know to do by the word of God, all that we understand, we still have an opportunity to change the circumstances in our home. The story I'd like to use is that found in Luke 18 verses 1 through 8 and it's a story about another widow lady you know I really like the fact that God chose the single mothers to bring out some of the most profound lessons Amen. so you know people have come to me and said yeah I hear you do parenting messages that's good but what for what about us who are single parents I said you know what the principles are the same The principles are the same. God's word is eternal. It's for everyone. It doesn't matter if we're single, if we're young, or we're old, or if we're married with an unbelieving spouse, or if we're married with a believing spouse. They are the same. So here we see a mother that had done everything she knew to do for her boys. Again, two sons. This woman was also in debt. And again, in their time, they sold what they had to pay the debt. She knew all she had. She didn't even have a little oil. All she had was her two sons. And so she did what each one of us can do. She went to the judge. Now in the, in the story, as Jesus tells the story, this judge was an unjust judge. He wasn't even a Christian. But she went to him. And she, she poured out her heart. She, she brought forth her need, her story, her agony of heart. And she did it again. And she brought it again. And again. And she would not give up. Amen. Until she got an answer. There's a very big lesson in that for us. Amen. Because we serve a God who's very just. And very tender. And very long suffering. And all powerful. And I have found myself in my life. At times, going before God as this widow went before that unjust judge and pouring my heart out and saying, Lord, I just don't know what else I can do. I have studied. I have prayed. I have searched your word. I have put great effort, Lord. But this challenge I'm facing now, I don't really know what to do. But I know you do. And I prayed and I poured out my heart. And I would not give up Amen. until God gave the answer. He did what we cannot do. He changed the heart.
0: Amen. We have,
1: we have the principles. We have the earnestness for our young people. But God is the one who changes the heart. And we pray without ceasing. We give up too easy.
0: That's right.
1: We pray once or twice. Say, well, you know, it works for them, but it don't work for me. We need to pray and pray and petition from the depths of our heart. And in the the maybe hours that we do this, over the days or weeks that we do this, we need to keep going back to see if God can show us anything that will help us in our dilemma. But we know and we have the confidence to believe that he will deliver and he will answer the prayer. He will not force, but he will give All of the power that is within heaven to help to change that heart. So I want to encourage you, when you can't find the answer and you you can't see it clearly and you've really put forth your, your effort, then go to God and ask him to do what you cannot do for the heart of your child.
0: God's word, will it be our guide? He will never leave us nor forsake us. We've asked Toby to come up and close us with prayer. And as he comes up, I just want to call again to our hearts, especially to the fathers here. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. How about you? Let's kneel together as we pray.
2: Father in heaven, it's truly been a blessed Sabbath day. Lord, we praise your name for the beautiful music, the wonderful fellowship, and the spoken word that we have heard today. Lord, there are many hearts here tonight that are hurting, that are aching. Lord, I pray that you will give hope you will give courage you will give strength Lord as the hours of the Sabbath come to a close I pray that each heart here will understand what it means to be surrendered wholly to you Lord we have a special burden in our hearts tonight for those of our families who are not here Through the power of your Spirit, touch their hearts. Amen. And Lord, you've begun a good work in us, and I just pray that you can finish it in each one of us. And they will be faithful and will be strong until your coming, which we know to be soon because we see the signs around us. Draw each family here tonight ever so close to your heart. We look forward to the Sabbath that we'll spend with you, the first Sabbath on the way to heaven. Amen. And may it be soon is my prayer. In Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more.